Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. And if you're uh, here in person, uh, we ask that you please stand as able for the reading of God's word. And if you're comfortable doing this at home, you can also stand if you, if you desire to. Um, but may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. So yeah, if you could please stand as able. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, today's message is called the Day of Rest. And we are talking about the principle of the Sabbath. We'll talk about this in a moment, but just kind of like want to reveal my cards a little bit, that when we read the Old Testament, we read it in light of the New Testament, in the light of Jesus. And in many ways, he has come to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament, and that there are things that definitely we carry over the spirit of. And I think Sabbath is supposed to be one of those things. The kind of strict observance that sometimes I think uh, the Jewish people observed, and still do, um, that, that oftentimes Christ followers today don't quite do that. But I do think that there is something very valuable about this concept of the day of rest. And I think in our modern world, we're finding more and more that, um, you know, we have this kind of uh, way of looking at people that we have this feeling that we're always supposed to be productive 100% of the time. And if we're not productive, there's something wrong with us. I used to share this story that when I was a kid, um, and, and, you know, I, like I was like literally a kid. I didn't have any homework. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything to do. But as I was just laying on the couch, and sometimes I would see my dad go out and mow the lawn, or, you know, they're doing work around the house, and I, I'm sure I could have helped them. <laughs> there probably was something to that. Uh, but oftentimes, even when I didn't have anything to do, I felt guilty. It usually wasn't enough to get me to actually help, <laughs> but I felt guilty. I felt something within me that was like, I, I can't rest. I, I, I can't just sit here and do nothing. And maybe some of you, you feel that, you know? And there's this thing within you that's always like, come on, come on, come on, let's be productive. Come on, come on. What did you do with your day? What did you do to earn your keep? What did you do to justify your existence? And maybe we feel this on this kind of like, you know, this deep kind of cellular level, you know, where it's really hard for us to rest. Now, at the same time, when I say that, I think sometimes when we talk about biblical rest, we struggle with that because the way we rest in this world maybe isn't the same as biblical rest. And we kind of know that too. And so there's the other side of the equation. And I do recognize that I'm preaching this message in summer. And, and I, I know this isn't everyone, but there's some people who are on break, or maybe you do have a vacation. Maybe there are people in school, and you're not in school right now. Or, you know, on the weekend, you know, you're, you're not going into work, you know. But friends, I think that sometimes uh, uh, the way we rest 
You know, and, and, and some of us, we feel guilty about that. We're like, okay, Pastor Steve, I hear what you're saying. We're not supposed to be like, you know, always doing things all the time. Maybe that's not healthy. But is this healthy? I don't know if you guys can see the picture. If you're like listening to this on a podcast or something, there's a picture of a guy on a couch and he's like, you know, got a remote in his hands and he's just kind of like laying there with a a plate of Cheetos on his chest and the Cheetos are just kind of falling into his mouth. Uh, Is that biblical rest? You know, maybe sometimes we feel like that. We're just like zombies on our phones, just endlessly scrolling Instagram. Or YouTube. Have you ever got caught on like an endless scroll of Instagram? Before you know it, like an hour and a half has gone by. You're like, shoot, I was just opening Instagram. I was just going to do this real quick. And then you, you like, the moment you wake up, right, you feel guilty. You're like, what did I do? What did I do? That's such a waste. You know, is that biblical rest? Friends, I, I, I want us to take a look at scripture. And I, I kind of like doing this when we, especially when we read stuff in, in the, the Old Testament, to kind of do like a quick survey. We're, we're not going to do an exhaustive survey because if you kn- have read any of the Old Testament, you know that Sabbath comes up a lot. It is really, 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 really important to the people of Israel. I, 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 did I put enough reallys? I, I really want you to understand that, that it is not taken lightly, you know? And, and, and I think that for a lot of us as Christians, we struggle because we're going to read some other stuff. We're going to look at what Jesus says about the Sabbath. And I feel like in the midst of this, even for the people of Israel, as their history went on, I think Jesus is trying to point out some things where they've kind of lost the the principle, the the, the Sabbath principle, the principle of what biblical rest is really supposed to be. And maybe for some of you too, you know, sitting on the couch with your remote and with the Cheetos falling into your mouth, it's not giving you actual rest, that there's something that we're missing. Maybe for a lot of us, you know, when we read passages like, you know, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, we, we don't really understand what these things mean. You know, um, yeah, I just hope over the next few weeks that maybe we'll gain a greater understanding of what this means. Um, so I think it would be cool if we just go back to where the Sabbath principle starts. Do you guys know where it starts? Anyone know? The first mention of Sabbath in the Bible? Does anyone know? I, I, I'm going to give you like some kind of prize. I don't know. Maybe I'll give you this mug. <laughs> Someone's like, I already have a mug. You can have two mugs, man. You can't have too many mugs. They're awesome. I'll give you this mug if you can tell me without looking it up. Don't cheat. <laughs> I know. <it's... laughs> Do you want this mug, guys? Anyone know? Where does the Sabbath principle come from? Hadam is going nuts back there. He, I think he really thinks his wife knows it. Jamie, where does biblical rest come from? Where does the principle of Sabbath? The first mention. First mention. Oh, oh, okay. Can you give me a book of the Bible? What's the book of the Bible? Genesis. Catch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jamie, this is for you. I'll give this to you afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Should we make her come up? 
should we make her come up and get I'll give it to you later. I'll get, yeah, it comes from Genesis. It comes from the very first book of the Bible, right? So it's actually the second chapter of Genesis, but I want to show you how Genesis 1 ends because it kind of flows into the principle of Sabbath. So if you guys remember, uh, in the beginning, right, there, there was like, you know, the earth was just this, this kind of void, you know, and God creates everything. And, and so we find out that uh, at the very ends, right, of, of this whole creation extravaganza that takes place over six days, it says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Behold, behold. Have you ever said to someone, behold? What does that mean? To like, you know, it's not just look at it, but it's like appreciate it. Behold, right? If I was like, Jamie, behold this mug, you know? Like, like, really look at it, really appreciate it, really enjoy it. Uh, and and so, so, yeah, he, he, he looked at everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So sixth day passes, sixth day, everything is created. But we know in the week, there are seven days. And on the seventh day, we're told that God creates something different, and I do think it is kind of an act of creation in a way. It's an act of creation by really doing nothing. <laughs> Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Holy means set apart. It's different than the other days. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God creates on the seventh day Sabbath. God creates the principle of a day of rest, right? And so this is something that actually does not come back until, I don't know, should I give another mug if you guys know this? <laughs> it actually, there's many, many generations where it's not brought up again. We don't know for sure if the people maybe uh, would have just known this principle and observed it, right? But it's not brought up explicitly until the time of Moses, right? So you got like all these people, right? You got Adam and Eve and all these people that, 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 that you know, happened after that. You got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? All these people. And it's not until Moses that it comes back. And so I want to show us that this is actually what we read uh, just a moment ago when we all stood and everything. Um, we read Deuteronomy. And, and so th this is uh, uh, a kind of reiteration of the Ten Commandments where you get a little bit more exposition on it. So I wanted us to see this. It is one of the commandments. Anyone know which number? I, I like, really want to make it like a quiz show today. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Give out stuff. Does anyone know which commandment it is? Again, Hadam is pointing to his wife. <laughs> it's the fourth commandment, uh, depending on how you count the commandments. So sometimes people count them a little bit differently. But it, it, it's, it's, what, it's actually, uh, if you look at the Ten Commandments, it's the one that has the most text. Uh, it's got the most exposition of any of the other commandments. And so here we see uh, uh, the exposition in Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day. Another way that this is, this is put in different translations, it's remember the Sabbath day. Almost this idea like, 
I know you're going to forget it. So you got to remember. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, set apart, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. That concept of a Sabbath, a rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Now, the, the idea of servitude back then was not always a voluntary thing. I, we, we like using the word servant, but it was probably more akin to slaves. Um, a different kind of slavery than what we experienced in this country. But the point is that for a lot of people, it wasn't voluntary, right? But even for the servants, the bond servants, they would get to rest. They would get to rest. Everyone gets to rest. It's that important. Even the livestock, right? The cows get to rest. The chickens get to rest. Everyone gets to rest. Wow, that must be an important thing, right? And, and then this is what God says. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So what's the connection, friends, between slavery in Egypt and God rescuing them from slavery and the Sabbath? Because you see a therefore here. Whenever you see a therefore, you should ask what it's there for right? It, it, it comes after something, right? He's trying to explain something. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day because you were a slave once. You didn't have a choice. Do you think that the slaves in Egypt had health benefits? Do you think they had breaks, right? Do, do, do you think that they had any consideration for the slaves? No, it was whoosh, keep working, whoosh, make those bricks, whoosh, right? They didn't get to stop, and they were tired. And by the time that, that, that the time of Moses, the people were crying out, Lord, this is too heavy for us. It's too burdensome. Save us. We're tired. We're weary. We're beaten down. Our spirit is broken. And so God does. He saves them. He rescues them. Therefore, keep the Sabbath day holy. There, there's a principle here that we need to remember. It is that we have a Savior. We need a Savior. We can't do this on our own, right? And so this idea also that we're not meant to work all the time, you know, and God wants us to enjoy that. It is supposed to be for us. It is supposed to be good, right? But this is the thing. So what happened with um, the people of Israel is that they were like, yo, this is so important, right? Like, oh man, the fourth commandment is the longest commandment, right? We've got to really take this seriously, you know? And so they did. But the problem was that over time, that when they observed the Sabbath, people started having questions. They're like, okay, so we're not supposed to work, but what is work? Now, is it work if, you know, um, I don't know, like, if I have to, like, turn on a light, now, now, back then, uh, uh, turning on a light probably was a little more involved. It's probably like a lantern of some kind, right? You got to strike a match and, you know, try to get that going. You use the flint, you know? 
Like, like can I light a, a, a lamp on the Sabbath? Because that seems like work. And actually, there are different iterations of this where it's, it, it, there's some people like, like you can't even you know, turn on the light switch because that's work, right? And so they started like, kind of like coming up with these very, very specific instances. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. And there are even some people that would say, you can't even have a bowel movement on the Sabbath. Because I don't want to get too gross, but for some people, that's work. <laughs> it's hard work. Sorry for being gross, but this, this is true. This is true. They got so specific. They got so legalistic that even things like that, you know, people would debate. Wait, wait, wait. Like, like you kind of move too quickly right there. Is that work? Is that work? You kind of jog to the mailbox. Is that work? Right? It got so crazy legalistic. And maybe in the midst of that, they kind of lost the spirit. Like, like, yes, they wanted to keep it separate and holy, and they wanted to honor this. But man, they'd be like, hey, you're working, stop! And there's something in that spirit that I think Jesus was able to identify and say, there's something not quite right about this. And so I want to show you uh, in Mark chapter 2, um, it, it's a little bit of a lengthy passage. So, you know, hold on, we're, we're going to go through this. But I think there's an important principle that you're going to see that, that I, I, I think we have done different things with what Jesus says, and we haven't, mis- we haven't understood it properly. We've taken it, and, and I think we kind of missed the point a little bit. So let's take a look. So one Sabbath, uh, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Now, for the Jewish people, there's actually very specific things about gathering food. You would gather food the day before. You wouldn't even cook on the Sabbath, right? So all your food would already be prepared. And so, so like, like, there's no cooking on the Sabbath. There's no gathering on the Sabbath. And so rightfully, by the, the very specific ways that people look at the Sabbath, right, as the disciples are just do-do-do, they're walking through the grain field, and they're like, oh, great. They pluck a little, you know, seed of grain, and they're like, toss it in their mouth. And the, the, the Pharisees, right, the teachers of the law, they're like, yo, look, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? They're working. They're picking grain. And Jesus said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. Now, this seems like, like what, what Jesus is doing. He's, he's drawing a parallel, right, to a story where uh, uh, David went in and he ate this holy, sanctified bread that no one was supposed to eat, and he ate it. Why could David do that? Why could David do that? Why? Why? Because he's the king, right? Not only is he the king, but he's, right, like, like he's this really great king. And, you know, oftentimes we talk about the Messiah that's supposed to be the son of David. Jesus is bringing up David on purpose. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, so he's trying to say something. There's a couple principles here. And most of us, we only get the first part, and we don't get the second part. The first part is this idea that um, the Sabbath was made for us, 
right? It's not made for God, it's made for us, right? And so this idea where, like, you, like you get so legalistic about it that people are, like, yelling at you or punishing you for not resting on the Sabbath. And, and, and you know, Jesus is like, what are we even doing here? Like, someone's starving, and they can't even pluck a grain if they're starving, right? Like, like are, are you doing this, like, just because you want to be able to say that you had, like, this perfect obedience to God, right? Is that what it's about? Or is it really about this principle of rest? It's supposed to be something good for you, right? And we've kind of lost that spirit. And I think for many people, we recognize that. It's very clear, right? But there's this second part that I think we kind of miss, right? So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is why Jesus invokes David, right? Why could David eat the bread of the presence? Because David's a king, right? David can do anything. And what Jesus is trying to say is that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not about necessarily resting. It's about me. Yes, it is about resting, right? But there's a reason why we keep saying Make the Sabbath holy unto the Lord, right? Separate, right? There's something that we are supposed to be doing that we're missing. Now, if this point isn't clear, let's take a look at um, the next part here. And so, uh, again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Now, this is kind of a clever thing that Jesus does. Um, because they're like, oh, is he going to heal? Is he going to heal? Right? But remember, they got super legalistic about work. And so he's like, yo, just stretch out your hand. And the guy's like, oh, oh, it's healed. Jesus never touches him, right? Jesus doesn't go to him and, and like, exert all this, this, like, you know, effort. Like, "Mm," you know, it doesn't look like work, right? And Jesus is trying to prove a point here. You know, he stretches out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This seems very extreme. But for the, 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 the leaders uh, uh, of the synagogues, the, the, the Pharisees, you know, for them, this observance of the law, it was everything, right? That's all they knew. And, and it just became so important to them that they lost the spirit of what they were doing. And arguably, they lost even the very presence of God with them because it became about something else. It became about being righteous or being seen as righteous, right? Being holier than thou. I think this happens a lot, right? There's so many people that we're going around and we are so stuck on the letter of the law. We're like, the Bible says, the Bible says this, but it's not anywhere 
near to the Spirit of Jesus. The way we do it, the way we talk about the Bible, right? The way we use the Bible, right? All of these things, it doesn't really seem to have the Spirit of Christ, which is absolutely a Spirit of love, right? And Jesus is here, and he does this miracle, right? When Jesus is present, even those who, who have been sick, who have been disfigured, all of these things that have seemingly gone wrong in this broken world are being restored, right? In many ways, this is the spirit of the Sabbath, right? Jesus is restoring that which is broken. This person's shriveled hands. He stretches out his hand and is made whole. How is that not what the Sabbath is supposed to be? There was a weary people, and they were tired, and they were broken. And God comes and saves them, right? God comes and saves them, right? And for many Christians, um, we don't observe Sabbath on the right day. For uh, the Jewish people, uh, the people of Israel, Sabbath was so important that that's what they actually called the seventh day, Shabbat, right? Saturday for the Jewish people. That's the seventh day, right? And, and, and that's Shabbat or Sabbath, uh, uh, as it's called, as the way we've kind of transliterated it, you know? And um, for Christians, though, we changed it. And we changed it to Sunday. Why? Because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's actually a change they made very, very early. And it's almost like they recognize this principle. We keep the Sabbath day holy because that's the day that God rescued, or, or that's the remembrance of God's rescuing. And so we keep the Sabbath on Sunday, or that's the way that Christians have done it throughout the, the, the years, because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the day that Jesus is making all things new. And, and uh, so I think where we've gone wrong, friends, is that a lot of these things, we see this and we're like, yeah, yeah, don't be legalistic. Yeah, come on. You know, this kind of like following these very specific rules, that's just too hard. That's just too cumbersome. See what Jesus did? You know, they're plucking grains, uh, you know, out of the field and they're, they're just kind of taking it casually. Let's just be casual, right? Let's not be so uptight about rules and laws. But for Many years, hundreds of years, Christians did not treat Sunday that way. They treated Sunday almost exactly the same way that the Jewish people treated Saturday. That most people didn't work on Sunday. You would just go and you would worship with people. And of course, they didn't get all you know, bent out of shape on whether or not you're having a bowel movement or whether or not you're turning on a light. Of course not. But there was this principle that there's something about this rest that is very good. The principle of the Sabbath, friends, is this idea of it's not just about rest, right? Um, but the thing is, friends, I, I think for a lot of us, we probably gravitate to passages like this and the principle of godly rest because a lot of us, we're so tired. And even the things that we are trying to seek to, to give us rest are not making us feel rested. Right? Like we already talked about. Sometimes we feel more tired after our vacations. Has that ever been your experience? 
right? Did you ever like take a break and afterwards you don't feel refreshed? I mean, you just kind of like went unconscious for a little bit. And if anything, now you feel guilty because you weren't spending that time working and now you feel more behind, right? And so friends, you know, there may be some of us that we go and we go and we go and we go until something breaks down. I know this happens for a lot of people in the church. This happens for a lot of people in life. You know, one of the ways that uh, I think we're told that we need to take a rest is we get sick. You know, your body will just kind of shut it down after a while. You know, like, like you may think, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this. But at a certain point, you just can't. You've got to know your limits. And what God created on the seventh day of creation, he worked six days. I mean, seriously, God worked so hard. He created this entire world, and it's beautiful. It's filled with birds and animals and, and, you know, vegetation and mountains and oceans. And man, you know, God did a good job. He was a good, hard worker. But on the seventh day, God saw it fit to say, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to rest, and we're going to enjoy. We're going to enjoy. And he created that as a gift to you and I. Right? There's supposed to be a regular rhythm of rest that we are supposed to observe. Maybe some of us may not feel like we need it, but this is the way God created us. Right? We, we have our upper boundaries. And there is this, this kind of uh, uh, insidious thought that has crept in amongst Christians, especially as we've gotten rid of the legalistic observance of the Sabbath. Right? Especially in this world where other people are like, wait, 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 wait. As we're getting more secularized, other people are starting to work on Sunday. If I don't work on Sunday, I'm going to fall behind. So you know what? I'm going to work on Sunday too because I got to get, get that money. Right? And if I don't, then I'm going to fall behind. Right? And there is this ever so subtle but real kind of elimination of this place where we just sit before God and we're like, God, we're just going to recognize that you're God. That's what the day of Sabbath is supposed to be about, right? It's not just resting. It's supposed to be a time where you realize where your very life comes from, where your salvation comes from, right? We cannot live this life on our own. Friends, I think what's making us so tired isn't necessarily that you're doing too much. It's that you're doing it without God. What's making you so tired isn't necessarily that you're doing too much. It's that you're doing it without God. And we weren't created that way, right? We're so far from our energy source. We're so far from the recognition that you need help. You need a savior. You need God. Friends, uh, you know, I'm not here to tell you that you should never work on a Sunday, right? I work on Sundays. <laughs> Sundays are sometimes my busiest day. And so I take a different day of rest. It's Monday for me. The exact day that you take is not important. But I think the idea of taking regular rest in order to situate yourself, in order to remind yourself, remember the Sabbath, remember the fact that you need rest. And not just rest, but you need to recognize that you are not the power that, that, that is moving this world ahead, right? You're not the one who's making it happen. It's God. And you can take a day off. 
and just rest in that knowledge, right? I think a beautiful thing about Sabbath would be if you did nothing, but you enjoyed that time, but also you had this knowledge that you're doing it with God. On Sabbath, you know, at least in churches, you know, we praise. We sing beautiful music to the Lord. We sing these beautiful truths about God, about Jesus, that Jesus died on our cross for us, right? We are sinners. We could not save ourselves. And we need to just receive that again. We need to remember that, friends. We cannot do this on our own. So every now and then, every seven days, right, the people of God, we rest. We stop moving and we recognize. Um, I want to do something with you all. And maybe this is something that you could incorporate into your Sabbath rest. You know, I don't know if it's going to be every seven days. And maybe for some of you, you can't take an entire day. But could you imagine just how awesome that would be? Can you imagine how great that would be with your family? Just, just every seven days, like no one in your family worked or did homework. But you just hung out with each other. Maybe you went for a walk, you know? Maybe you played some board games together. You know? Maybe you read a book. You know? Maybe someone whipped out a guitar and you just started singing some praise songs. How cool would that be, you know? And so, friends, just to see that this is supposed to be a gift. This is supposed to be life-giving, right? And so don't make this a legalistic thing, right? But also learn the wisdom from the way God created this world, right? I've heard people say that that's pretty much the rhythm of, like, just how much we can take, that we're supposed to work about six parts and rest the seventh part, you know? That one out of seven, you got to rest, you know, you see that uh, in academia. You know, people, will, every seventh year, they take a sabbatical year to rest and to learn and to recuperate. You know, there seems to be this great rhythm. You know, six parts you work, and then the seventh, you rest. But friends, the biblical principle is you rest with God. You rest in Jesus. I, I, I want to um, do this uh, meditation with you on Psalm 46.10. And like I said, maybe this is something you could do on your Sabbath. Maybe you could take a, a, you know, evening off sometime, maybe a Saturday morning, Sunday after church, go for a walk. And maybe at some point, you could just be still. Be still. Don't, don't do anything, right? And you could uh, recite this psalm. And, and I learned this recently, and I thought that this was kind of cool. I, I, apparently, some people do this. Uh, where they meditate on Psalm 46.10, and they do this by subtracting a word from the end, right? And so you just spend some time with the psalm, uh, but you just keep subtracting a word, right? So let's do this together. You guys ready? All right, so just take a deep breath. So everyone just, you know, take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath out. All right, let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Did you know that the Hebrew word for breath and spirit are the same? Just know you're breathing in spirit. God is here with you. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in and breathe out. Be still and know that I am God. Just take a moment. Just just don't, don't analyze it. 
Don't let your critical brain start churning. Just sit in that. Just, just receive that. You know, maybe just say it a couple times in your head, slowly. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I. Be still and know that. Be still and know. Be still and. Be still. Be. At the end of the day, you are not a human doing. You are a human being. Your divine worth does not come from what you do, what you contribute to society, what degrees you have at the end of your name, how much money you make, how much people admire you. Your worth comes from the fact that you are a child of God. And every now and then, friends, probably more than we are already doing, we just need to be. We just need to be. We just need to know that it is profoundly okay to just be in God's world. That God is the Savior of the world. God created it all. We just need to be in His presence. It is profoundly okay. Just be. We're going to go into our time of communion. And uh, so, friends, if you are joining us from home, feel free to go uh, grab bread or juice. And um, on the day that uh, Jesus went to the cross, he shared one final meal with his disciples. Many of his disciples would betray him. Many of his disciples would fail the test, and yet he still wanted to be with them. He still wanted to commune with them. He still wanted to be one with them, fellowship with them. And so he shared this meal with them, and he said, this is the body, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is the body of Christ, which is given for all of us. And at the end of the meal, uh, he took a cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood, which is shed for a multitude of sins. And whenever Christians have gathered, we have taken this meal of bread and cup, knowing that it is a gift, and as we eat it, and as we take it into our bodies, to know that the greater portion was already done. Jesus did the work. It is finished. But in many ways, we've got to receive that. We've got to receive that knowledge. We have a Savior. We're not alone, right? We can just be with this God. So friends, I want to pray over uh, these elements that they can become to us the body and blood of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this gift of bread and cup. May it become to us your very body, your very blood, that we can remember all that Jesus did for us in breaking his body so we could be whole, in shedding his blood so we could be cleansed, and that we become literally one with you, Lord, that in this symbol of taking your body and taking your blood into us, God, 
that we are one. Thank you, God, for this gift. Thank you for Jesus and all that he's done for us. And in Christ's name we pray, amen.